0: Hello, and welcome to episode 68 of Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I'm Monica. And I'm Courtney. Today is Thursday, June 24th, 2021. A big thank you to all of our listeners, both old and new. We hope this podcast will continue to be something you put on repeat. How's it going, Courtney? It's
1: it's great. I'm glad to hear it. Dusty and loud at my house, yeah. which is why we're tucked away in your little studio. Spoiler the inside of the house is empty besides, well, me, rolling around in there. But the boys are away. So. So fun. It's been really weird because the kitchen has been clean for three days. <laughs> straight, without my really having to exert much effort. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's a dream. hmm It's a dream. But I haven't cooked a darn thing outside of some oven fries. <laughs> Well, we all forgive you, I think. (laughs) That seems totally reasonable. This is light on recipes from me, but... Were they gone for Father's Day? No, they left on Monday. The day after, okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, it will be
0: business as usual here on the needles, on the easel, on the table, on the nightstand, and bingo. So should we get started? Yeah, let's dive in. All right, on the needles. Sock Madness is over, (laughs) which I know sounds really odd because there were still two rounds left when last we spoke, and that was two weeks ago. But it's true, the last rounds go very, very quickly. The penultimate round, uh, the team finals, I guess we can call it. So everyone had 10 people left on their teams, and I was one of those, and they were bringing it down to one. And I was not that one, I did not expect to be that one. The person that won stayed awake knitting, no way for 25 hours straight I think <laughs> she she didn't she did sleep the first night so she knit for like I don't know 15 hours or something then slept and then knit for 25 hours straight I am competitive I am not that competitive so that that did not happen I am totally cool with not being the winner but it was I, a beautiful pattern oh my gosh yeah so you know some people can do that I I cannot go without sleep I've never been really good at
1: that nor have i but i have seen some pretty funny things going around the internets about and bear with me Mm -hmm. a regular person doing the olympic event and then watching the olympic athletes do the olympic event just so you can see how amazing the athletes are so i would love to show like a normal or you know a hot What's the right word? Not a hobby knitter, because some of average, an average knitter, recreational, who who makes mistakes and like has to YouTube how to fix them, and (laughs) you know, somebody way better than me, but not like you could totally do this. You know how to knit. It would just you would no
0: have a steeper learning curve. I think would be the issue.
1: I had to work some Olympics and I'm excited.
0: No, it is going to be exciting. The pattern was Madeline by Kate Poe and so beautiful. So color work, two colors in a a leaf, a leaf pattern, I would say, but all over, bottom of the foot, the toe, the heel, the entire thing was color work. It was amazing. And I didn't realize, I, I was knitting
1: the first one and I, wait. Mm-hmm. You knit both of them, even though one of your team members <laughs> finished it in the blink what? of an eye. Yes. <laughs> I mean, what am yeah. I going to do with that sock? That's what
0: separates us
1: <laughs> right there. Well, because I had almost
0: finished, I hadn't even completely finished the first sock, but I had, I was maybe 80, 85% through. Okay. I mean, what am I going to do with three quarters of a sock, right? I have plenty of three-quarter <laughs> projects. <laughs> okay, but you are not a capital K knitter. If you no nope. painting competition. I feel like you you're right. To finish your painting. Where are the wish.
1: painting competitions, though? I'm sure they're out where, there. Where? Where? Start one. <laughs> no, that requires extroversion. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so many
0: problems. So I did finish them. I think I posted a picture of one the the one that I had finished. Um, so the yarn I used was Forbidden Fiber Fortitude in the Witches colorway. Ooh. Which was a club colorway from last year, I think, two years ago. in this beautiful dark purple. The other colorway was Plucky Primo Fingering in Bashful, which is this super pale pink. So we use the purple for the background and the pink for the flower. The, I keep saying flowers. They're really like a leaf vine kind of pattern every row is different there is no repeats so you had to pay attention the whole time and again the color work went all the way around the whole sock so there was never a break overall i'm pretty pleased with these the heel on both of them i'm calling them finished i really need to redo one of the heels because it was it's basically an afterthought heel and it just turned out too pointy and long for my heel i don't know if you remember Last year, I made socks for Simon, and his heel had that little attractive tab of fabric, and the same thing happened. So the second one that I did, I just shortened it. Actually, I had to, and then I had to pull it out and shorten it again. Um, So I haven't dealt with the first one yet, but I'm pretending they're done. And I'll get to that when I get to it. They're just, they're really pretty. I'm so excited. So then we had 26 finalists, and the new pattern came out. And the winner finished in 19 hours. And I think second place was maybe 20 hours. It was really fast. And so it's a really beautiful sock, again, two colors. I've looked at it, I do not understand it at all. I totally wanna knit it. You knit it flat and then somehow seam it up the back. So all of the foot shaping and the ankle and the heel is all worked into while you're knitting it flat. I do not understand it, but it looks cool and it's beautiful. What
1: a great finale!
0: Yeah, it was a really great year. Um, oh, really it was good so patterns.
1: Great. You were in it till like the very end. Yeah, it was you fun. Were so great.
0: Taking a break was good. I just think the patterns were really great this year. They were all super functional. But there was a couple years like the one, the sock with the zipper. Right, cool, different. How often have I actually worn that sock? Mm, Once, twice, if you're going to put that much
1: effort, you also want to be able to wear it. So at the back of my planner, Mm. there is a section that has achievements from the year. And I feel like I need to write an entry for you for this (laughs) achievement. This is huge. Oh, thank you. It's been such a protracted start and stop and start and stop and knitting decathlon. I just I'm super impressed. Bravo.
0: Yeah it was super fun and now I have all this (laughs) free time in quotes (laughs) where I actually have to decide what I'm going to knit next which is a little well you'll see how that's been going. I cannot apparently stop working on socks. I decided that it was time to get past the heel of the OMG socks by Megan Williams that I'm making for Simon these are the ones I'm doing on the nine inch circulars. Sure, I had gotten all the way done with the foot. And then when you get to the heel, I needed to read the key point to say recipe. I did that last time. <laughs> it's the directions. So yesterday I just sat down and did that, and that worked pretty well. It was a little bit wonky because you add a bunch of stitches to the heel to make it fit your foot. It was a little bit harder, I think, on the nine inch to to make it all work, but it, it ended up working out. Um, and so now I am past the heel and it is just a bunch of knitting on the leg until I get to the cuff and then it'll be some ribbing and then I'll be done. And the question is how hard do I want to push? Cause this is the second sock, so I could have these done because we are going on vacation next week. And so I've got to figure out there's vacation planning going on. Do I want to <laughs> finish this before we go on? Because it would be good travel knitting, but I'm, Going to be done with it pretty quickly. And then what do I do? So trying to figure out what I want to do. I could just push and like m- finish it up this weekend and have empty needles that need to be filled with a whole new project, which would be good for traveling. Absolutely. So so we shall see. Uh, and then I've also been working on my monkey socks uh, patterned by Cookie A in Three Irish Girls Culloden Sock in Oh, What a Beautiful Morning. It just makes me happy every time I work on them. We had a soccer showcase this weekend. What is normally an hour and a half drive took two and a half hours because of traffic. So that was super fun, but it meant I had some knitting time. So that was nice. So I've made some more progress on that. Almost done with the first sock. And again, same thing. Do I keep knitting them? Do I bring them on the trip? What am I gonna do? Stay tuned. (laughs) Continuing my random cast on journey, when I realized that my Madeline heel was still too big, even though I had not done as many rows on it and I was going to have to pull it out and redo it again. I just put it aside because I think it was like 8 o'clock at night and I was like, nope, that's not going to end well for anyone. I'm going to cast on my Rainbow Wings shawl, which I've been wanting to cast on for two years and I planned to cast on in June and I talked about it on the podcast about wanting to cast it on in June. I decided, well, I'm just going to cast it on because it is... At least at the beginning, super simple, not mindless because for some reason my mind cannot keep pattern in my head. But it's easy enough to do. It ends up being mostly knitting. So this, well, all of it is knitting, straight knitting, no lace repeats, no purling.
1: That's what it beads or zippers exactly.
0: (laughs) No, no madness. So this pattern is by Knitting Expat Designs, and it was part of a collection of mini skein using patterns um, and I had made a cowl from this collection already although this pattern was the one that the reason that I originally got the collection but I knit something else first. Simon bought me a kit to make this from Hugh Loco. So the main color is in the merino sock base and it's called New Yorker and it's a really pale gray but with speckles of black and white and charcoal and but not too speckly. So from far away it reads pretty much just light gray. And then it comes with a 12 mini skein set of rainbow colors. So those will go in as stripes in the shawl. It's gonna be a triangular shawl, but uneven sides unequal sides. I forget we call it I Isoscelotri- saw as- asymmetrical that's a good
1: word. That covers all the territory. Yeah.
0: So normally for a triangular shell you would increase evenly on both sides and for this one you're increasing on the right side for both halves but on the wrong side as well for just one half. So you'll get one half that is much longer and goes out much farther. So it'll be a cool shape. I have to do this for 70% of the yarn. (laughs) So I'm going to be doing this for a while because every row you're adding four and then two additional stitches. So it just keeps getting longer and longer. And at the beginning you're super excited because, oh, look, it's growing so fast. I'm doing so many rows. I'm on row 20 and then and then every row starts taking 20 minutes and it's very slow going. So I think I will take this one on vacation. Although I'm, the mini skeins could get messy, but that's that's fun. I've been able to do that while watching TV. And so I'm enjoying that. So I have I have a bunch of little little projects going and I'm still trying to figure out what my next sweater is gonna be. Because I don't want to take a whole huge big sweater on on my trip. And then when I get back, the four-day sweater knit-along will have started. So I've got yarn for that. So probably I should be swatching for that. I got some yarn to make a t-shirt. So I'm thinking that's what I'll bring.
1: Ooh, that's perfect.
0: Yeah, so it's only two skeins of yarn. So it's Mm -hmm. pretty manageable and would be fun and not too complicated. So good vacation knitting. Obviously, you can't just take one project. I mean... I need at least five for, you know, the week that I'll be there (laughs) to make sure I don't run out of yarn because, you know, there's no yarn stores
1: anywhere Anywhere else else, in the world.
0: Definitely not. Yeah. So I think that is it. And then, but I've got to finish some projects so I can enter them in the Splash Pad Party from Boston Jen and her Downseller Studio podcast, which is, it's, just super casual and fun, and you can knit whatever you want, and you get points for the amount of yarn that you've used, and then enter to win fabulous prizes. So That's nice fun. and relaxed, yeah. So I've, I've I've done some entries. Yeah, the the Madeline socks kind of were a little bit of a roadblock in terms of finishing things. And then I'm just a little scattered. <laughs> so
1: there's well, that, too. You have come off of an intense... True. You know. Yeah. thing. Thing. Having to make decisions though. Achievement. Achievement, thank you, yes.
0: But then I have to make decisions. So difficult. You'll be okay.
1: Yes, I will. What has been on the easel? Well, since I'm home solo, it's kind of been a do-it-yourself art and creativity week. Leading up to their camping trip, I was just staying out of the way, making good food. I wasn't I wasn't painting so much because of all the construction at our house. That part hasn't gone away. However, I've been taking myself on these field trips around the city, going to the Legion of Honor, and later on I have tickets. I have a ticket to the De Young, and I have a... If you take a small size sketchbook, like something under 9x12, you don't need permission to sketch on the floor of a museum. So, I keep a small sketchbook with me, and it's mostly just pencil, and then I'll take a photo, a reference photo, if I think I want to paint it at home. I've been really enjoying that. And then also, just in general, saying yes to myself. You know what I mean? I say no to myself all the time. In the grocery store, when I have 25 minutes, I often prioritize what needs to be done, what we need. That kind of thing. And so this week, I, for like the first night I was by myself, we had some leftover roast beef from Father's Day. And I made myself this gorgeous salad and I put a little cold roast beef on top. And then I made myself a pile of truffle oven fries. Nice. And it was just a really delightful dinner that I normally would never serve. I don't know why it wasn't that bad, you know. Yeah, stuff like that. And yep. then the other day, I went to Arsico, which is the amazing croissant place. You know Arsico, right? Oh, on um, Clement and Arguello. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. I had not been yet. What? I know. If I had known that, and I would my have, child's school is like I drive right by it, and I, I would it. have gone and got you one before I came here. Oh my gosh. They're the best croissants in San Francisco. i heard unequivocally. I had an almond one; it was delicious. Oh, nice. Those are the best. And then I took myself to the Legion of Honor. There's a Pompeii exhibit. That's that seems like it would be really great, but it was pretty crowded. So I just did the the main collection, and I really hung out in the ceramics room. There's like an 18th century ceramics room downstairs that has like fancy china from all over the world. And there's um one of those giant Tulip ear? Tu- sure. It's like a tu- a stacked tulip vase, and it has like Delft patterning on it, and you it has holes all the way around, and you put the tulips in, and it looks super weird. Oh. It looks like a chandelier for tulips. Oh, okay. Basically, so I tried to sketch that, and I sketched some other plates, and I like it because sometimes you can walk around and see the potter's mark on the back of the plate like if the exhibit is away from the wall so i had an awesome afternoon by myself out there doing that and then i'm gonna do you know just like little field trips like that i only have a couple more days but i feel like i should do this all the time there's nothing stopping me from going to the De Young. I mean, except the pandemic, but True. <laughs> we're past um, that. But for the moment. But regularly speaking, yeah. you know, I do need to fuel fill the cup a little bit more often. Right. So when I'm at home in the evening, I've been watching the Emma Carlisle Patreon account. Oh, nice. And she did like a huge draw along but it happened on Monday when my guys were still around and like in a flurry. So I wasn't able to participate live. But she and a whole group of people were drawing animals from the R section of an animal encyclopedia. So rabbits and rhinos and a whole group of animals. And that was really fun to draw along with one night. Yeah. You know, I normally... Don't really draw after dinner. But because I'm by myself, it seemed like a great time to do that. And then last night, I watched a little bit of... I watched a program on the Smithsonian Channel about the hippos in Colombia because of the drug cartel guy, Pablo Escobar. Mm -hmm. He was like a big drug cartel guy in the 80s or 90s. And he brought these a lot of wild animals to Colombia. Most of them have been relocated, but the hippos are really thriving, um, and now yeah, they're in the this. wild, and it's a huge problem. Yeah, I could talk about this for 45 <laughs> minutes. Well, I kind of love hippos. I mean, there's no, it's not like they're anywhere. I guess there's a couple at the zoo, and it's not like I have any reference point with a hippo. <laughs> But I was watching this and just watching how maternal they can be. And then and then you'll see a wild... And you mean, by maternal, you mean vicious, nasty um, creatures? No, I'm, I'm, the mother-baby pairings yeah. are really incredible. And then there'll be this wild bull in the river who's super fierce. Mm-hmm. And I just think they're incredible animals. And so I've been drawing Pablo Escobar's hippos. <laughs> and their generational offspring and i love how that looks in my sketchbook you know so for what that's worth but my my real crowning achievement this week is finishing finishing oh that's a bingo square the house grid thank god it has been the hardest of all the gouache grids we've done we've done eight now i think We are taking a break for just the rest of the summer because Daria and I both have some stuff going on. And this one was, I love to paint pictures of houses. The scale thing took the wind out of my sails Mm -hmm. because they're so tiny. I couldn't do all of the detail stuff that I love to do. I couldn't even really do proper shadowing or... I, I don't know, there's there were so many things about it that I couldn't get into them. And I on the whole it's my it's been my least favorite of the gouache grids. Oh. I do feel like a sense of accomplishment just having finished it, not like sock madness accomplishment. No. But it's complete. It's not my favorite and i think it's the one that i probably learned the most about scale and detail out of the whole array that we've we've made so far but i am definitely using that bottom right hand corner square on my bingo sheet to call that one done cuz it was it took a lot more than i thought it was going to take yeah. so i'm hoping to post that later on today Cool. And then go back to drawing Pablo <laughs> Escobar's hippos. Nice. <laughs> and that's that's the crazy fun of the art room. Even though there's a slightly broken window and it's super loud, I'm feeling good about cool. the shape of things in there.
0: Nice. Have you posted any of the hippos?
1: Nope. I no. just did them last night. Oh, I watched okay. the show last night. Got and it. it's a little bit dark to photograph like they're gaping maw of a mouth and their crazy teeth and apparently they love carrots I didn't know that who knew they're a real problem
0: they're a total menace I think I have heard that that does sound vaguely familiar but yeah so Smithsonian channel thanks all right on the table it is summer which means my kids get to cook Yay! it's always so interesting to see what they're gonna pick just so interesting. The first one we had was the Jamie Oliver five ingredient chicken pot pie, which Boy 2 picked out. And I'd been asking him, I'm like, I you know, I shop on Tuesdays, so I do the list on Monday, and then I I keep ending up having to do a second shop at the end of the week. And I kept asking him and asking him and asking him, and he would not get me a minute. And finally he went upstairs, grabbed a book, here it is. I'm like, okay, that is meat and gluten. That is like five ingredients, one's meat, one's gluten. <laughs> okay, sure. So was Boyd one not home? Like why did how did this oh he was at, he was away at camp for a week. So that's why I was like, all right, two thirds of the people will be able to eat this in its entirety. I'll just make something else for Simon. So that worked out. So it was it was fun. You use uh, you know, just a real simple chicken and mushroom and Saucy business, and you cook it all in the pan, and then you have the puff pastry. Like, there wasn't even, like, it was puff pastry. There was no way to <laughs> rejigger is there, this thing.
1: Is there a, a store-bought, gluten-free puff pastry option? Not that option. I have yeah. ever found.
0: I think it's just the puffiness too much. So, yeah, so it turned out really well. It was interesting because I have, do I have the British version of that one? No, I think the veg one is the British version. So this one, it's, it's still slightly... British, like he has the block of puff pastry instead of the two sheets so I had to a little bit mess with it because he has you roll it out so I think his puff was a bigger a thicker layer than ours but ours ended up very pretty because we still you know rolled it out a little bit and I did them at different angles so you got that kind of so ended up with kind of a pretty star shape and as you take a half a sprig of rosemary and stick it in the middle so it looked very lovely and then jamie
1: oliver really utilizes rosemary i find
0: um, yeah so it was very tasty you know and easy and and only five ingredients so so that was pretty fun and then i made some veggie burgers which why do i not normally do that i don't know but dinner love story had a new veggie burger that she was promoting i think it'll be in her new cookbook but it was on the website And she said it was great, and it makes, I think, about eight of them. So I figured I would have some left over, and she said they're really good to freeze, and then, you know, you can pull them out when the kids have practice at weird times and they need to eat before and after, or you have a husband that won't eat meat and you need something to feed him.
1: Tell Uh, tell me what's in
0: it. It was kind of interesting. It had oats and pinto beans and... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was a really interesting, different... Combination. Also, rice and sweet potato.
1: Mm, okay. So,
0: all sorts of things. I think my amounts were not quite right. It was really goopy, even after I had refrigerated it to firm it up. I think I could have used some more oats because um, I had, you know, one big sweet potato and I wasn't sure how much it was. So, I guessed and I think I overestimated how much was in there. But flavor wise, there's a whole bunch of spices in there. It's a really good flavor. It made eight good sized burgers. So that was that was good as well. And I had I think half of them left over. And so this was the same night that boy 2 made his second meal which was Jamie Oliver's cracking good burgers. So <laughs> again, husband can't eat it. But this one was able to tweak it to make it gluten-free and the boys had made this uh, both of the boys had made this recipe before. And and this was super exciting. I had been out that afternoon and got back late. Simon had texted me, hey, what's going on with dinner? He said, well, I will be home soon, I'm on my way, but Dash is in charge. I came home,
1: he, and dinner.
0: he had done it. He still had yeah. to cook them, he had just started cooking them. And he had even gotten out the, because I had made the veggie burgers before, I went out and stuck them in the fridge. And he had pulled them out of the fridge and he wasn't quite sure what to do with them. I was like, no, don't worry about it, I'll cook those off. But yeah, I was super impressed. He like found all the stuff on his own, mixed it up. That's great. It was amazing. That's the whole point. It behind... is the whole point. They have never <laughs> done that before, so <laughs> I was very, very excited. And then last night was Boy One's first chance to cook because he'd been away. Simon was actually traveling for business, so we had steak, <laughs> which is something he has made before and is very easy and mm-hmm. was also... We don't usually serve that when he's around. I mean, we have. But try not to offend his sensibilities. So that was delicious. And tonight, Boy 2 is making chicken wings from Mad Hungry. So we'll see how that goes.
1: That's a favorite.
0: Oh, have you guys made it? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, they looked pretty good. Yeah. So we'll see how those work out. And then Father's Day went pretty well. Simon requested a raspberry and cream roulade, which was very fancy and... We had the second day of the soccer showcase. So by the time, and the game was early in the morning, but by the time we got home, I did not have energy to make a roulade, so I went with a cake. All the same flavor things, but just a not quite so fancy. Different architecture. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Very delicious. Uh, you mix the raspberries and the raspberry jam and kind of crush them up. And then uh, mascarpone and whipped cream is your, Ooh. and then you combo and vanilla cake. And uh, yeah, it was delicious. I think they got through three quarters of it the first night. It was a eight by eight square. Oh, no, maybe I made a round, but um, same, same, more or less. So, yeah, so that was delicious. And then for the entree, we did a tomato tart, and I actually made gluten-free pie crust, or tart crust, I guess. From scratch? From scratch. Bravo! Yeah, because I was thinking I could just get a gluten-free pie crust, but it felt... Felt like it would be fancier in the tart, and then also it was a really simple tart. I think the recipe was from it was a yum something from the Yumly website. You spread some mustard along the base, and then just a layer of tomatoes, mm. goat cheese, drizzle of olive oil. She had to put the fresh basil on while it was baking, which seemed odd, so I left that off and threw it on at the end just so it'd be brighter. The flavor was delicious. I'm thinking the mustard was there to kind of protect it from the tomato juice, the crust, which did not work. Either I'm wrong or it didn't work. I probably should have baked the crust, yeah, yeah. which I realized after. And I was still a little rushed with everything. So...
1: Tomatoes are so wet.
0: Yeah, they were super. So it was very juicy. The crust, the bottom of it just never got cooked. Flavor was really good though. I think, again, if I just had par baked it, it would have been spectacular, but super easy. My
1: mom does one with artichoke and tomato. That's pretty Ooh, exceptional, too. That sounds I good. I haven't had that in a million years, but.
0: Yeah. And it was nice. I'm used, you know, I do a lot of quiches and frittatas and kind of things, but just having just the tomatoes just straight was yeah. really beautiful. And it they're looked, not even it, like fantastic tomatoes at this point in the year, but. Right. It looked beautiful on yeah.
1: <laughs> filters. <in its> photograph. <laughs> yeah. No,
0: well. it looked real, it, it did look really nice. So I would be interested to try and, and play with that some more because I really like the flavor. And then I served that with a salad and some sort of vegetable, green beans maybe. So yeah, um, so it, was a nice, it was a nice Father's Day. And then we had, you know, cake to
1: fill us up. How about you? Well, for Father's Day, we did build your own deli sandwiches with all kinds of different deli meat, which oh, we don't normally do that, you know, have deli meats and... We got the roast beef because my father-in-law loves roast beef. And I even got him a little bit of liverwurst because Mm. I not so secretly love liverwurst and a little bit goes a long way. And we just had really simple sandwiches. And then I made the giant pan banged snickerdoodles because all of the men in this family love snickerdoodles. I We kept it really simple. And then I... Was starting to look at one of the squares on our bingo sheet is to make make a local specialty. Mm-hmm. And how did I back myself into a corner with that? I looked up San Francisco specialties and it's like sourdough, sourdough bread in a bowl, like, <laughs> um, or like chow or cioppino in a bread, in a sourdough bread bowl. Or one of the things though that kept coming up was the mission burrito, now a mission burrito is like trying to make awesome pizza in your own oven like trying to make it at home it's just yeah it's it's just never measures up No, but I did watch a bunch of videos about people talking about San Francisco mission burritos and the history of it and it was so fascinating so apparently El Faro invented there's a little bit of controversy but I'm going with El Faro invented the mission style burrito because a couple of firefighters came in it was like a taco joint mm-hmm. in the mission and they came in one day and was like can you build one big like a sandwich so that we don't that we can just like have a meal and so they layered two eight inch tortillas over each other and then the guy behind the counter like filled it with everything. And wrapped it up in tin foil. Fast forward, the elements of a mission style burrito are a big tortilla, flour tortilla, that you can steam so that it's really pliable, so that you can shove as much as you possibly can into it. As big as your head. Yeah, they're huge. And then there's the other distinctive factors are. Like you don't have to have rice because you've already got the tortilla. But then there's different meats, there's different bean choices, there's different like lettuce, tomato, onion, yada yada. But I guess the two specialty things were the guacamole and the sour cream. Like that was never done before in this mission style burrito. And then <sighs> wrapping it in tin foil is part of the signature mission burrito. Oh. Because the tin foil Holds yeah. is like an exoskeleton while, you know, you can peel down the yeah. thing and eat it and then wrap up, if you're like me, wrap up half of it and save it for later because it's so big. Yeah. So while I am not going to attempt a mission-style burrito at home, I did want to share that it was a really interesting exercise at looking at what our city has to offer for what what's the iconic food offerings. And now there's this great debate in our family over the best places to go for a burrito. And that is a very subjective argument, I'd like guess. to point out. Yes. Sounds like you need to do some research. We might need to do some research. Yeah. Nathan's already started on us. You know, like he tr- was That's trying... A summer project. Yeah, he was trying to impress some friends. And he's like, ah, oh, let's go over to Gordo's. And, you know, when we're on the other side of town, sort of. So La Corneta or El Faro is even closer to us than yeah. borders. But totally fun, totally fun project. And we'll I'll look into that a little bit more. I did make him some Mexican rice, which he said it's close but it's still not there. So I need to What is he comparing it to? What is his um, baseline? He has a friend whose mom makes amazing Mexican okay. rice. And so basically I need to have a chat with her about what I'm doing wrong. Yep. But he said it wasn't bad. Oh. (laughs) Probably because I followed a recipe for Mexican red rice off the internet. So I've just been eating like salads and... Sounds delightful. Oven fries and little meals. I might... What what did you use for your truffle flavor? I bought them. Oh, you bought them? They're the Alexia truffle fries. Oh, how are they? They're great. Oh, good. And they're an oven fry, so they fry up pretty crispy. Nice. I don't know what I'm going to do tonight or tomorrow night, though. Burrito? No, I'm so saving that (laughs) until they come home. I I think I might want to do a sushi thing for myself, although we do sushi plenty. But you could pick out exactly what you wanted and eat it all yourself. Yeah, I think what's so fun about this little adventure is, like, I just, I walked around the grocery store, and part of me was thinking, what would I like to paint (laughs) And then something would catch my eye, like, ooh, green tea. I could get that. I wasn't trying to think about feeding three other people or four or five sometimes. but So it's been a a lovely little food break. Nice. But I'll be back at it in five minutes. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Which is good because I'll be on vacation, so probably nothing will be happening.
1: Well, that's what summer's all about. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then I will have my own little time to myself so again more not cooking alexia truffle fries i know totally checking those <laughs> out they sound delicious all right on the nightstand so i'm gonna start with an audiobook that's a little bit outside of my usual genre all adults here by emma straub
1: oh yeah what else did she write
0: the vacationers she's written several things and she was a guest on vanessa zoltan's the rom pod talking about uh something. And I had not read any of her books and her description of her most recent book, which is all adults here sounded very interesting, and the library had it on audio, so I said, "Great. I'm going to try that out." It kind of reminds me of Maria de los Santos mm-hmm. in that it's fairly light, a little bit of romance, but not it's not a but it's not a romance. And she does tackle serious issues as well. So it's a Strick family, and they live in the Hudson River Valley. There's the grandmother, the matriarch. And she was widowed when her kids were high school and college. She has three kids. Two of them still live in the same town. One of them has moved to Brooklyn. Uh, the two, the oldest and the youngest, the boys both have kids of their own. And the eighth grader, eighth-grade daughter of the one in Brooklyn. Having trouble at school, so she's gonna spend the year living with her grandmother in this town. So, there's all sorts of family drama and secrets, and what does it mean to be an adult and taking responsibility. Lots of stuff about love and friendship. There's some really beautiful thoughts uh, with a 13 year old. You get many different viewpoints, like, you see everyone's story, they all get to be the narrator for a while. The thirteen year old is having trouble with friends and what does it mean to be friendship and you know everyone talks about love, like romantic love, but not friendship, and that's really important, especially as a thirteen year old. So there was a lot of really interesting storylines going on and just kind of life stuff and it didn't go in ways that I was expecting, which is cool. It was good. It was it was not a not a heavy book, but definitely dealt with a lot of serious issues. I would give that one a thumbs up. All Adults Here by Emma Straub. And then The Confessions of Franny Langston by Alice Collins. This one I think I kind of was interested in a lot because of the author just sounded like she'd had a really interesting life. She was born in Jamaica and went to university in England and then was a lawyer for 17 years and then decided she wanted to be a creative writer. So she went back to school, got her master's, wrote a book. It won a bunch of first book awards. So thought that sounded pretty cool. It's very gothic. It was kind of creepy. Franny Langston is on trial for murder in London in 1824. Ooh. Her the column her employers, that's not exactly the right word, were found dead in their house with Franny Frances uh, unconscious, covered in blood next to them. And they woke her up. And she claimed not to remember anything. So now she's on trial and her lawyer has asked her to write down, you know, anything that she remembers that could help him save her. And so the whole thing is kind of her looking back at her life, all the stuff that happened. She was born on a plantation in Jamaica as an enslaved person. So obviously that is not an easy part of the book to read. She ends up coming to England and
1: working for this couple Was her work on the plantation with like this weird guy who thought that enslaved people had like different physiology and like measures? Yeah, I did read
0: this. Oh wow. I didn't remember (laughs) you reading this as well. Yeah. So um so very gothic and creepy. But not she leaves a lot of it to the imagination. Not everything, but a lot enough of it so that it's more atmospheric and not like a horror novel. Right. It's definitely creepy. Possibly a few too many turns in the, the plot and what happens to Franny. But a good twisty ending. Overall, I liked it. Maybe I recall little... enjoying it as yeah. well. So that was The Confessions of Franny Langston by Alice Collins. And then a couple of quick and easy middle of the series books. The Long Way Home by Louise Penny. Gamash number 10 <laughs> on audio. I'm still working my way through. I've got the beginning near there. I think there's maybe 15 or so. Anyway, Inspector Gamash has now retired from the police force. He's living in that cute little town that he always goes to visit. One of his friends, the couple, has been on a trial separation for the year, and they were supposed to meet up on the year anniversary and decide if they wanted to stay married. The husband never comes home, so the wife is waiting, and she figures he'll write or, you know, he'll do something, um, and there's no answer, so she feels that that's kind of out of character, so she's worried. She just wants to know either way, asks Inspector Gamash to help. So this one was a little different, very character driven. I mean there's no there's no murder. there's nothing really actually illegal going on. Of course he uncovers some stuff, but just all the emotions of the characters and how people relate to each other. So that one she's definitely expanding her her Gamash world. so I, I like that one a lot. And then Emerald Blaze by Ilana Andrews. They're back. More magic, more mystery, more of Alessandro Sagredo, the Italian magician. <laughs> they are possibly getting a little bit too much. You know, how you have a series and it starts off and someone is just learning their magical powers and so everything's sort of reasonable and they're they're learning <laughs> things and then they become, you know, this all-powerful magician and things just get crazy and that's kind of where we are now. But it was su- it's still super fun. Nice little bit of romance, crazy magic business. This is the second book in the second trilogy of the series. So book number five of the series. But the next one doesn't come out until next year. so I have to wait, and wait to find out what's going to happen. Because who knows if Catalina and Alessandro are going to get together. Spoiler, I'm pretty sure they're going to get together. Because this is a romance. Okay, is this
1: YA... No. Okay. I was just
0: curious. No. It's uh there's too much adult content. I mean, if you're okay. I was reading I was reading Yeah, I was reading Trashy Romance at sixteen, so but not officially YA, no.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. And then another middle of a trilogy book, Gathering of Shadows by V. E. Schwab of Abby LaRue Fame. This is a series that she wrote before Addie LaRue so it's a little more heavily in the fantasy realm it is a, a universe with four worlds and they all have varying levels of magic and they all have a London so there's our London which is gray London no magic and it's 1820s really I have a, a
1: time frame for this this episode that it, happens to me a lot that I just start reading books from like 1856 yeah. 1860. I don't know why. I don't know why either. That happened to me last week, I think. Yeah. So Grey London,
0: White London used to have magic, but the magic is dying out. Black London has been overrun by magic and sealed off from the Worlds. Red London is just right. And that's where most of the action takes place. So in the first book, Kel is one of well, now he thinks he's the only one left of the people who can travel between the worlds. And he is in Grey London. Almost dies, rescued by Lila, and he ends up taking her back to his world, which he shouldn't really be able to do. So no one's quite sure why that happened. But I don't think he needs to. It's like (laughs) Outlander. It is, exactly. (laughs) Except no time travel, just different worlds. So then they have some adventures, almost destroy Red London, but then they save it. And so in this book, they've been off having their own adventures, but now there's going to be a big magical tournament in Red London. And they both decide to enter incognito. Um, there's also some trouble brewing in white London. I like it. It's not the most creative of world building. A lot of the kind of stereotypes from our own world seem to carry over in ways that I didn't entirely love, but the magic parts of it are pretty cool, and the tournament and the way it all works was fun. I like the relationship between Lila and Cal. and then there's a big cliffhanger at the end, so luckily this third book is out, so I have that on my waitlist and i shouldn't have to wait too long so overall yeah it's it's definitely different from addie larue and i don't know that if you aren't a fantasy fan that you would like yeah both of them i think addie is kind of its own thing a much bigger audience but if you do like fantasy and magic this series is a good way to go and then finally anxious people by frederick bachman translated by neil smith i love this book i laughed i cried so good. And this was one, I don't,
1: you liked it. You didn't love. I liked it. Yeah. I didn't love the first 50 pages. Oh, I didn't like the, um, uh, the was it second person? It was second yeah, yeah, person, yeah. like the first 50 to 80 pages or something like that. And so that has that has a really successful strategy. Mm-hmm. Like that book that I read about Los Alamos. Yeah, yeah where it covered all of the voices of the women in that village but you knew that you were hearing from the wives of those scientists Mm -hmm. whereas the what was hard for me was everybody had a different role in anxious people and because I wasn't sure who we were talking about Mm. I know it was meant to build up the narrative tension so that you could see what everybody's role was but for some reason it stuck with it though yeah because I was curious what was going to happen to this group of people yeah so this is the book there is a bank
0: robbery that doesn't go well so the bank robber runs into an apartment building and the only open door is because there's an apartment viewing going on so there's all these people there to look at the apartment there's the real estate agent and the bank robber takes ends up taking these people hostage so the police are involved after the hostages are released, the police go into the apartment, and the bank robber has disappeared. And, and it's like a top floor apartment, no other exits. Where did the bank robber go? So you're getting the and also who
1: is the bank robber and
0: who is the bank robber? Um, so you're having interviews with the hostages, and then you get the point of view of the police and all of their lives. Not all of their lives, but many of their lives have intertwined in the past in very interesting mm-hmm. ways. It's kind of snarky and funny and i just i thought it was a really great book and i read um i read beartown which is his as well which i did not love as that much is really tough and gets sold as a hockey book and it's not a hockey book <laughs> so i think that was part of it yeah
1: but a man called ove which
0: i have not read so i feel like i need to go back and read that one now he's written a ton of stuff
1: oh yeah he's yeah. got miles of miles so of,
0: uh, this books. one i really i really liked like did not want to put it down when I had to put it down I'm so glad yeah so I was really pleased and you know bingo square so so that was good and it is a book in translation so that's my personal my personal goals for this year so that was that was exciting I don't know this feels like it doesn't exactly count (laughs) because he's so well known in English it doesn't feel like a, a reaching out into a
1: different world I do think that this, well, every country has its own cadence when in translation, yeah. but there is something about the cadence of the Scandinavian countries that I really enjoy, like the descriptions, and mm-hmm. I don't know, it's, it appeals to me.
0: No, no, I really liked it. it. I just, like, The Remainder was such a Chilean book. Yeah. There was stuff I didn't get. It was not written for a worldwide audience. It was written for a specific group of people not that i necessarily have to find that but i feel like this is more of a general
1: more accessible yeah or
0: at least yeah. you know northern european you yeah. know western in quote you know kind of book they're both valid ways of writing i mm-hmm. i think my my personal goal for the translation was to try and learn more about different cultures experience different writing styles you know things that were not written for a worldwide audience
1: mm.
0: so Interesting. But, but yes. I'm
1: still I'm still gonna take the <laughs> take the credit for it. Sounds good. So yeah. How about you? I have four books to tell you about. The first one is The Mountains Sing by Wen Fan Kwe Mai. You mentioned you read this. Yes, that was a good one. This is a book about the Tran family in Vietnam from the nineteen fifties when they were doing like their version of land reformation they were taking land from farm owners and trying to reapportion it amongst everyone and then later on in the 70s during the vietnam war and it opens with grandma and her granddaughter huang and the parent and i might have those pronunciations wrong huang's parents are revolutionaries and so they're off fighting someplace they're like part of the army the granddaughter and her grandmother lived in hanoi and they there were the city was being bombed and so in the the opening of the story they all their community they all flee to the mountains and it is during this you know they were just scattered and so they had to leave everything and just go and so they relocate or they're like refugees from the city I guess with this little family and that some of the Tran family stories start to unfold and her grandmother starts to share like really what has happened to the family over the last generation and that unspooling of stories is the narrative arc of the book and so as The granddaughter is learning about her parents and her mother's siblings and her grandparents. All of this unfolds and how they, you know, they were once a very prosperous family and then they lost their land and all of the struggles that they've had to endure only to have it all be destroyed during the Vietnam War. I think the freedom of being in the mountains and it comes up a couple of times with her mother who had been in the mountains and her uncle who had saw her father in the mountains, the mountains singing. It's where people can sort of get their voice and talk about what's happened and the trauma that they've all endured. This is a really beautiful book. I wish that I knew more. I mean, the visuals are kind of hard because I've never been to Vietnam. The atrocities of all of the bombings and it's just it's got some difficult content but I think the story of the family is really compelling. Then I read Hotel on the Corner of Bitter and Sweet by Jamie Ford. So when I was reading Snow Falling on Cedars somebody had recommended this book that it was in the oh. similar vein and I wanted to give get a little breathing space in between them I was filling my list with Asian and Asian American authors during this whole springtime. I mean, normally I try to read as many different voices as possible. But anyway, that's, I think, why these are all coming in from the (laughs) library now. So this takes Jamie Ford is a, a Chinese American author, and he has written a book about 1940s Seattle, when Japanese American citizens were sent to the internment camps and all of the confusion and uh, terror that that involved. But f- as a Chinese American, his characters feel the need to distance from the Japanese people and because Americans see Asian as a monolith they that the, one of the boys, his dad makes him wear a badge that says, I am Chinese, like you know, through this whole thing because of Pearl Harbor and and it's just really brutal. Just this dichotomy that has that they felt had to happen. Yeah. There is so much jam packed into this book. So there's the history of the Japanese internment camps in and around Washington and Oregon. And then there's, at the time, it was a pretty thriving jazz scene in Seattle. And there were lots of new things happening. That jazz scene was predominantly African-American. And so then there's this collision between the black population and the Chinese families and like the Japantown area. And just that all of these things colliding in a really difficult time. The two main characters, Henry Lee and Kiko Okabe, have a great relationship and we get to follow it through from the 1940s through the 1980s and that's a really satisfying journey even though they their paths separate and come back together again. I think people will enjoy that side of it. It was a it was a really good book and I Glad I gave it a little bit of space from the snow falling on Cedars, but it's totally different in its own in its own way. It would be a great one for a family read or a summer reading.
0: Yeah, I definitely heard of it. I did not realize that is what it was about. It sounds interesting.
1: Then I totally shifted gears a little bit and read The Lager Queen of Minnesota by J. Ryan Strato. There are so many things that I loved about this book. One thing that was really different that grabbed my attention right away is that all of the chapters were dollar amounts. And it was anywhere from like a dollar 78 to 1.2 million to everywhere in between. And so somewhere in the chapter the significance of that dollar amount would come up. So you knew right off the bat that money was a factor in this whole drama whether or not it was overt was to his own credit in in writing it. The main plot trajectory is that there are these two sisters, they're 5 years apart. One of them is a great baker, super loyal, responsible. The younger one is a little bit wild. I mean, it starts off in the 60s. You know, she like Sneaks a beer from the fridge. It's so, it's so not wild, but you know what I mean. Compared to her, uh, like, rule abiding sister. And the tension is that the younger sister, even though the older sister took care of her father for many years leading up to his death, the younger sister, in the last couple months before he died, convinces him to leave the entire farm to her and her alone and not split it. Ooh. On the well, I don't want to spoil why. So the younger sister goes off and becomes a brewer, marries into a brewing family, and they build this empire, and she's largely out of the picture. And then we get to understand the older sister and her the struggles that she had, and and not so much about the money, but that the loss of her sister, along with the loss of her father and And she ends up taking care of her granddaughter when her granddaughter's a late teen. And then her granddaughter's challenges. Things collide because the granddaughter is also really interested in brewing. It gets her out of trouble. It's like a coincidence. And she develops a real knack for it. I have a girlfriend, I have several girlfriends actually who really love beer and different types and craft beers and that whole thing. And the craft beer scene is given so much latitude in this book, it's great. Hmm. You know, just talking about how these things develop and what it, what it takes to be a female brewmaster, even that phrase, eye roll. <laughs> it's, it's like a totally great book, you know? Interesting. Yeah, and I love how it celebrates the Midwest. I think that oftentimes, well, anybody who comes from a small town, the small town thing is often marginalized. And I love how this one hails it in a different way. Hmm. And the same can be said for my last book, which I'm really excited to talk about because it's a romance. I know. Who am I? Also Midwestern, this book is called The Coincidence of Coconut Cake. (gasps) I know why I got this one. I was looking at books, fiction that features food. Ah. That's how I got both of these books, actually. This is by Amy Reichert. It's totally a romance, and it's totally meant for foodies. The main character, Lou, Elizabeth, she goes by Lou, and the the guy, Al, they build this friendship. Their occupations are secret to each other. You will love this book. So fun. It is really sweet. He's sort of um, disgruntled about, oh, geez, where does this take place? I think it takes place in Minnesota. Oh, geez. <laughs> You've been reading all these Midwest totally. books. Totally. Actually, no, this one is Wisconsin because it's cheese cur- There's cheese curds in it, so it's oh, Wisconsin. Okay. So she is trying to share with him the amazing food bounty that is Wisconsin. And so she takes him to local, like, custard shops, local breweries. And she takes him to a food, like, several food festivals. And I didn't really realize how rich the, like, food festival season is in the summer in the Midwest, but apparently it's huge. And then the state fair stuff. And so they develop this completely charming romance and... Friendship around enjoying the food and drink that is local to their community. Mm. And it is so satisfying. She, no spoiler, is a chef whose restaurant is really struggling because of a certain reason. So the the title, The Coincidence of Coconut Cake, I'm very pleased to report that there is a coconut cake recipe at the back of the book. I was going to ask. That... I can't wait to make. My people are not crazy about coconut, but I'm going for it anyway. I mean, you could just make it now.
0: I'm I could just share make it, it now, but
1: then I will eat an entire coconut cake. Wow. Well, Nobody, I don't need to do that. The Lager Queen of Minnesota features a lot of pie too, mm-hmm. pie, beer and pie, and I do have that great pie book. So I haven't baked from either one of these, but they're two strong contenders yeah. for that square. I haven't solved my own local food thing yet, but I'm definitely going to make this coconut cake. (laughs) Nice. And that's my, those are my books. Awesome. All right, bingo.
0: Bingo started Friday, May 28th, and will run through Monday, September 6th. That's Labor Day here in the U.S., to enter, you need to post a photo of your bingo card with a completed row, column, diagonal, or for second entry, a completed blackout. And you should post that to either Instagram with the hashtag CCRR, Summer Bingo 2021 or to the Ravelry thread if that is safe for you.
1: You can find the bingo card on our Instagram site, which is craft, cook, read, Repeat. And it's in the uppermost. There's a highlight up at the top. And that is this year's bingo card. And you can do a screenshot of it, or you can reach out to one of us through various channels. And we can send you a PDF one if you want it printed. Auntie Margot, Auntie Margo always wants it. <laughs> emailed to her so that she can print it. Just shout if you need that. There's still so much wonderful time. And you can yes. backfill. I mean, if you yeah. know that you've, that's why I'm saying May twenty
0: eighth. So anything that has you have done after that date, yeah. Fair game. And again, we are not being gatekeepers here. If you think it counts, if you can make it count, if you can squint at it and it counts, it's good, good to go. Yeah. We just want you to have fun and try new things and or, you know, recreate an old thing. Family
1: favorites and whatnot. Yeah. I don't know if that's one this year, is it? Anyway, um, local no, favorite. No. Yeah. Local. Local, I think. So, did you have any squares from this week?
0: I did, but also some of our listeners have had squares. Oh, great. So, Knit Read Sleep on Instagram is trying a new crochet technique for a children's blanket, which looked really cute and was in an excellent color. I should work on some crochet. I feel like that could be fun. It's certainly supposed to be faster. And then... Penny Gale had two squares, uh, starting a new project, which seemed to be a home decor, not really decor, but fixing out freshening. There was painting, there were baseboards, there were all kinds of very exciting things happening in her house. And then she also read a book by or about a person of color, Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed, which I have and is still on my to be read list. It's so, on mine too. Yeah. I think my mom let me oh so if I read it I could check off the, the borrowed <laughs> but again it's I mean I guess I can I always have this issue like do I count my library books because that's really all I read. But I feel like I do have a stack of books mostly from you that I need to to read and get There's back. no rush. I know but I want to want to make sure they continue to circulate in the world. So. It doesn't
1: it seem borrowed or thrifted or something? I
0: forget. Yes. I mean so technically the library is borrowed but that doesn't exactly feel like borrowing. It's just it's all in my head.
1: I love the library. I will probably
0: end up making the library count. Did you have you been? There some of them are open now for like
1: not mine.
0: Popping mine, in. Mine
1: still isn't on the list. You could come over to Ortega. Maybe I'll do that this afternoon. Yeah. As, as long as you're wander. on this this side of, yeah. of the city. Oh, um,
0: to browse again. Yeah. <laughs> Very exciting. My library is opening for pickups, so I'm excited for that. So I realized That I got to count the new skill because I did embroidery last time, which I hadn't realized. I mean, I knew I had done embroidery. I hadn't realized that I could count it. So now I have. Anxious People is a recommendation by you. Um, Madeline Socks with a new project. That one was pretty easy. And I'm doing cooking with my children, so cooking with family.
1: Oh, that's a good one.
0: Yeah. Okay. I feel like it counts. I'm kind of supervising and cooking alongside and offering words of wisdom so so I've done I haven't checked to see if I actually have a bingo yet
1: I certainly have many spaces yeah (laughs) filled in I'm I'm a little slow on things this week but I definitely start I mean I read two novels for cooking from a novel so there's possibility there but you haven't actually done it I haven't done it yet so I'm not writing I'm not giving myself credit for it but I did do a couple of quick reviews for a creative pep talk, review a podcast, and the Moth Radio Hour, which certainly doesn't need my reviews. But, boy, do I love it. And I've been listening to it a lot. I'm hoping to find one more that has, like, much less viewer or listenership and give them a little boost. And then I finished the gouache house grid, which is a finished project, which, thank gosh. So we're gonna take a break from that for a little bit and pick up the, the we only have two more sheets for gouache grid that we'll oh, do in the fun. fall. Mm-hmm. Nice. You have ideas percolating? We built a list early on, and now I wanna revisit that list and make sure there's nothing like detailed like a house <laughs> in there. Some of them came out so good, but we'll see. It's done. Bingo yep. Yay. check. Excellent.
0: All right. Well, you all keep bingoing and hopefully posting, so we can see what you're working on. I'm gonna be interested to see how our next episode turns out, since I will be on vacation, but you'll be back into the swing of things. So yeah, we will see. I think I will have a lot of books, <laughs> less food, many, many books. Probably, probably some knitting as well. That's okay. my prediction. We shall see. But. Till next time, make sure to do something you love every day. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Show notes can be found at craftcookreadrepeat.podbean.com. You can find us on Instagram as craftcookreadrepeat or S F. That's C-O-R-T-N-E-Y-S-F. On Ravelry, I'm Magdon, M-A-G-D-O-N. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.